Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I'm still in Las Vegas. My uh, tag team partners, G. Hey, Wiley, Brandon Deutsch, they're back in Southern California. How are we doing on this beautiful Monday? It is actually really, really nice. I did not even have to wear a hoodie or anything like that. I thought it was going to, but it is beautiful out there. How's Vegas, by the way? Is it stunningly beautiful? Vegas is great. I mean, GK, you you would love this because, listen, I I have talked about this several times on the show because you will talk about college basketball in November. I am not a big college basketball fan, but we are now officially in March. So 100 conference basketball games will be played in Las Vegas this month. Again, you guys know it is the place to be for the first two weekends of the tournament, certainly that first weekend of the tournament. But gee, the number of conference games being played here, Pac-12, Big West, West Coast Conference, the WAC, you go down the list. I mean, there's five conferences playing their t- tournaments here. So, again, 100 conference games. I'm not going to be at them all. I was at the UCLA-Washington State Women's Pac-12 Championship game yesterday. But a great time to be here in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, it's – it's. Uh, my dad was just in Las Vegas, too. I'm picking him up from the airport today. He had some, like, business meeting. He said it was nice in Vegas as well. He might be going to that function. I think Stephen A. is a keynote sp- speaker Whoa. of – a ballroom in one of these functions in Vegas. Um, so I think he's going to go there. Yeah, yes. Ross should pull up too. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think it's at 11 though, so maybe it won't make it. But uh, no, I'm excited for uh, the USC. They got a bye, right? So they'll be in the quarterfinal yeah. on Thursday. They'll probably play Arizona State again, right? I'm assuming because ASU's playing, I think. Are they playing Oregon? Oregon State? Yeah, I got to get the, uh, you know, now we finally have the uh, tournament brackets all set uh but yeah usc's first game is on thursday night uh going out uh, today to watch some whack west coast conference the the big guys out here yeah i mean just like the number of college basketball games taking place here it's incredible we'll we'll have plenty of time this month to talk about college hoops we do have to get into the state of professional basketball back in los angeles because Okay, let's start here. Let's start with the Clippers game because that game, depending on how you look at it, we have a group chat here where our good friend Grant Mona, big Clippers fan, uh, he was very excited about the game. And I had to play the spoiler, the Armani of the group, I I guess you could kind of say, where I I effectively said, hey, listen, that is a – that is a Grizzlies team in turmoil right now. We don't know when John Morant is going to come back. We, we don't know how that whole situation is going to be played out. Dylan Brooks was out. Steven Adams was out. Um, they are a deep team. 
But when you find yourself down big in the fourth quarter and you have to have a, a big run to come back at home to beat a Grizzlies team, a depleted Grizzlies team. Again, Grant called it the win of the season. I think it was a win that they had to get. Uh, guys, I mean, I to me, it doesn't change the way that I view this Clippers team. I mean, that, that was a game that you had to win, and I'm watching that game in the fourth quarter, and again, they're losing to a team that I don't care how deep the Grizzlies are. You, you can't lose four of your best players and still have a big lead over the Clippers um, and, and think that that's a quality win. So they won this time of year. That's all that matters. But, Jihei, your, your thoughts first on that game last night. Yeah, one and five with Westbrook. I'm, I'm with you, Arash. I mean, you should have decimated these guys with the fact that you have majority of your guys healthy, you don't have, and then – you know the and then the Grizzlies don't have any of their healthy players, so the, this shouldn't have been a squeak away win. This should have been a twenty point blow them out of the water kind of W. And I know that we're not supposed to be blaming West. Well, I'm going to blame him. The only reason why I'm going to blame him is because he's the deciding factor, right? He's the only wrench in the system. He's the only, like I don't know if his like mood drops everybody down or if. You know, there's just some kind of aura, bad aura around him. I'm sounding like Aaron Rodgers, but you know, I think that there's something, there's some, there's something that has shifted, and the only thing I can think of is that it's it's Westbrook. Well, I think I think the first thing to note about that is it's hard to win basketball games when you have a point guard that plays 30 plus minutes that can't shoot and can't play defense, right? So that's number one. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a big issue. So I think playing him a lot. And messing with the rotations of man and, you know, Highland not getting minutes, you know, Rocco who got some minutes with Morris out um, and played well, but then was back to the bench for whatever reason. That's one thing that, I mean, I, I agree. I think Westbrook doesn't help um, the Clippers at all. Oh, the reason why I, Grant and I were saying it was the biggest win of the season is because this team was in full on spiraling out of control. Like, and I know they were supposed to win this game and it's not that impressive of a win, but, I mean, they were down 16 at one point. It looked like their season yeah. was effectively over. I mean, they lost four straight games where they completely choked, and it looked like they were doing it again. And the reason why Grant and I called it the biggest one of the season is because they were finally able – I don't care if it's against the Rockets. They were mm -hmm. finally able to come back and win a basketball game. That is huge for the morale of this team moving forward, that they get that – monkey off their back, right? That win with Westbrook, their first win. I think it's important for the rest of the, the, the games moving forward because remember, they're the eighth seed. They could, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's possible they fall even out of the plan. That's how bad they've been playing. I mean, the Lakers are a better basketball team than them right now. I mean, if they continue to play this way, where they're only one in five right now with this new addition, yeah, they could be out of the, they could be out of the, the seating I'm mean, out of a chance to even compete. Right? Well, let me for, give let me give Arash. Okay, so maybe it's not the best to ask like Clippers versus Lakers who you choose because Clippers usually beat beat the Lakers every single time. But if you're a team and either the Clippers or Lakers come out of the play-in tournament, which team are you more feared of, Arash? Yeah, uh, here's the and it's a good question because I would imagine if the Lakers make it you know, past the play-in and they're in the postseason. You're dealing with two great players. And normally when you have a 
a, a late seed, a seven to eight seed. You're not dealing with the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You're not dealing with the LeBron James and an Anthony Davis. And that's what you would be dealing with these two teams. The Clippers are, are, are a team that I would want, I would not want to play. Like of the two, the Clippers were the team. And I think we were on the same page here. We had them coming out of the West. I mean, the Clippers were my favorite to come out of the West. And by the way, we, we, that was not some road less traveled. I mean, if you, you go to the preseason picks, the number of, of people who picked the Clippers, I mean, it, it was incredible. I'd never seen anything like that, having covered the Clippers for years. They were the prohibitive favorites to come out of the West. That team for the most part is still there again that core group that Kawhi Paul George that group is still there just to go over the standings real quick the Clippers 34 33 again you, you guys were were right regardless of who they played a significant win because if they were 33 and 34 you know at that point you're looking at the 9 to 10 seed you're, again to your point Brandon they're really on the, and they're still there, by the way. I mean, they're, they're in danger of not even being in the play-in tournament. I think that they will be, but they could be in that 9-10 to 10 seed. The interesting thing about the Lakers, guys, and they're not at the 10 seed yet, but they're for the first time tied with the 10 seed. The Lakers and the Jazz are both 31-34. and 34. They are tied. So no longer, for the first time in a long time, are we sitting here saying that the Lakers are one game out of the 10 seed or two games. They are now tied for the 10 seed. And so now the question is, can they, can they get there? What, what happens if they get there is if, if they buy themselves enough time. Again, there, there's this fear that LeBron James could be out for the season. I really truly believe if we get to the last couple of games of the season and they're the 10 seed, LeBron will find a way to play in that play-in tournament game. To your question, Brandon, I wouldn't want to see either of these teams healthy. I do think that the Clippers have been built for the postseason. They have not put themselves in a great position in terms of seeding with the number of guys who've been hurt and stuff like that. But, man, you know, come, come, come playoff time, if I'm the one seed, the last team I want to see is the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, and, and by the way, this is pro- possibly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the team with the biggest variation in what could happen in the postseason, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, the Clippers could go on a run and win the championship, or they could miss the plan. I mean, the, it's still both things are still possible, and I don't think there's any other team that uh, maybe the Lakers. But let's be real: are they really going to win the championship? Like, we'll be happy, Arash, if they make the plan and win a game and possibly make it out of the plan. That's a successful season for the Clippers. It's like they can win it all still. They have the roster to do It's so. crazy. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think the Knicks GA, if you remember back in the day when they lost Patrick Ewing and they were the, the eight seed, I think seven or eight seed, and they got all the way to, to the finals. Again, very rare for a low seed. But again, this is not a normal lower seed. This is a team that has really stated from the beginning that they, that they don't care what seed that they have. That being said, I mean, you don't want to put yourself in the precarious position of being in the play-in tournament. But if they can just get into the postseason, and they and this is the big caveat here, but this is a really big deal, if they're healthy, again, you don't want to play that, that team. And here's the thing. It is easy to blame Russell Westbrook, but it, you, you guys can talk about it because you watch these games. 
Across the board, there's a problem with the Clippers, and this is not a new thing. Yes, before the All-Star break, they had won two straight. I think they beat the Suns and the Warriors, if I'm not mistaken, but they won two straight games. But what, what's been happening with this team, they've had a problem the entire season. Now, Jihei and I are in 100% agreement. I don't know how you see what Russell Westbrook did for the past year plus down the hallway and think he's the cure for it. He's not the problem, though, with this team. I mean, the problem with this team has certainly continued. Um, but if they don't fix the de- de- defensively, and Brandon, you know this. You've talked about it since we started talking. You have to have, what is it, top five, top eight, top 11 defense. They're not remotely there right now. Yeah, and, you know, something surprising is we always talked about, and I know Armand brought it up a lot, brings up the Kings and the Mavericks. And it's like, as good as those teams are on offense, like their defensive ratings are 24th and 28th, respectively. So historically, and I know we're in a new NBA where you could maybe outscore your team. Historically, those teams are not going to win the championship because in the playoffs, it's about defense. We look at the Nuggets, right, who a lot of times they, they had a bad defense. Now it's up to 11th. So historically speaking, the Nuggets have a really good chance to win the championship, the second best offensive offense in the league and the 11th best defense. The Clippers still have somehow throughout this process the 11th or 12th defensive rating. What's bad about it is their offense is abysmal. Yeah. Since the Westbrook yeah. trade, 27th in, in offensive rating, 28th in effective field goal percentage. Um, 26th in, in in shots made, one of the highest turnover uh, percentages in the league. And I mean, that's tr- and that's um, since the Westbrook yes. trade, correct? Well, before they weren't any better. So, so we're acting Just, like they were better before. They weren't really better, but they're they're a little bit worse now on offense with Westbrook. I mean, they it were makes going sense. One they, can't five. Shoot. they weren't going. One you know, one here's five. the problem with the signing, though, Jihee, and we're totally in agreement here. Like, like here's the thing. Like, I don't think you make this trade to make him the 12th man and him for him to right. come off the bench. Like, I get that. That being said, you, 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 you sign him and you make him a starter from day one. So you have two guys starting that, in my view, for sure one of them has no business starting. Marcus Morris Sr. So you have – and by the way, so there was this report – by Law Murray, my good friend, and I'm sure he heard this from someone with the team, and I'm sure Ty Lue was thinking about it, that the starting lineup would finally change. Pre-game, Ty Lue says, I'm not going to release my starting lineup. Again, he usually has no problem saying who will start. Okay, so he hinted he's going to change his lineup, refused to give the starting lineup, and what happens last night? It's the same exact starting lineup, and so – um, that's the biggest problem that I have with this team is that Ty Lue, in my view, is a bright coach. In my view, I think he still is a top 10 coach. For whatever reason, guys, he has not adjusted at all this season. I do not know how you could have seen the way this team has played in the last five games and they found a way to win on Sunday, but still, how you've seen this team play the past five games and you roll out the same exact lineup, it makes no sense to me. Well, it's a, it's a double-edged sword with Ty Lue, too, by the way. I mean, there, last season, it was successful when he trusted the same guys over and over and over again. Reggie Jackson came out of a slump and played well. He was started off bad, right, last season. Marcus Morris was very similar. He had a great year last year, and he trusted the same guys. 
So it's worked for him in the past, but this year it's just Marcus Morris can't do it. I mean, the team had to trade Reggie Jackson so that Ty Lue wouldn't play him, right? So it's it's a double-edged sword. It worked in the past. This year it just isn't working, and I think the best coaches in the league, as much as loyal as they are to you know rotations and as admirable as it is to keep the same rotations because you're preparing for the playoffs, you have to make adjustments when a guy's as bad as Marcus Morris. And he had one of his better games yesterday. I mean, he hit two straight shots. I know he only had five points. He hasn't had two straight shots all year, probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know. I guess that's. But when I, mean, I still don't get it, Ross Robert Covington, the game before, I know Morris was hurt. Fifteen points, six out of eleven from uh, from the floor, and then he plays elite defense, better ten times better than Morris. And then you sit him this game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it's mind boggling to me. I mean, Marcus Morris must have some dirt on Ty Lue. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, <laughs> so the, that's the only <laughs> explanation right now. It's like when DeAndre Jordan was the first guy signed in free agency. It's like, what does he have on the league? The guy's washed. He can't play basketball anymore. But then Versailles, the first first guy to be signed, you know? All right, Brandon, we do have to talk about – and by the way, so Jihei must be impressed with me. I, I'm not now talking about, quote-unquote, the other team in Los Angeles. The <laughs> Lakers, know, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah. Has the most to talk about right now. I buried the lead. Listen, the the number one team in Los Angeles. Listen, the team with seventeen championships. Um, big win uh, on Sunday, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, again, they, like all these games are technically must wins, but really, when you're at home. By the way, they beat a Warriors team with Steph Curry. I know I heard a lot of junk that oh, they beat the Warriors without Steph. Okay, so they beat Steph. They beat the Warriors with Steph. They are now tied, Brandon, tied for the ten seed. So now they're they're certainly in that conversation. Uh, like as you look at their schedule, without LeBron James, can this team finish? And more importantly for me, I would win my bet with Armani buckets. That that, that would be incredible for me. Uh, can they finish? And again, my focus is on the 10 seed. If they go higher than that, great. But can they be the 10 seed? Oh, absolutely. Even without LeBron. I mean, if Anthony Davis play is healthy, which is number one, and he plays like he did yesterday on both ends of the floor, um, I don't think it's just possible. I think it's likely that they're a 10 seed. Because if you look at the teams that are also competing for that 10 seed, even the 9 seed, the Pelicans have been up and down. The Lakers steamrolled them the last time they played them. Uh, they have a couple more games that they play, or at least one against the Pelicans. I think two. No, they have one against the Pelicans, and they'll win that game for sure. That's going to be without LeBron. Um, look, Pelicans have issues too without Zion. That's the nine seed. And then the teams behind you, Utah's already choking. They're already packing their bags, preparing for Wembenyama in the lottery. I mean, they had a great year. Maybe they – obviously, they're not going to have a good ch- chance at Wembenyama now because they won 31 games already. But they're at least going to get another lottery picked to surround um, – you know, Laurie Markinen and Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, all those guys, Walker Kessler, they they have, they don't want to be in the play. And I'll tell you that right now. So they already lost. They lost to the San Antonio a couple games ago. I mean, come on. The Rockets just beat San Antonio twice in a row. So the Rockets aren't the worst team in the NBA anymore. It's San Antonio and Utah lost them. They have no business being in there. So they'll drop out. And you got Portland to rush. I mean, Portland has one player right now. I mean, it's yeah. Dame. Dame isn't yeah. scoring 70 points. You're going to lose, right? That's with them right now. OKC, who Armand is is enamored with, I mean, they're young. They have no experience. I know they beat the Lakers, but I guarantee you, they play the Lakers again. They're not going to beat the Lakers the next time they play. I don't think they play. Do they play one more time? Because I know the Lakers just beat them. I'm looking right now. Yes, they do play once more, and I, I, I can almost guarantee you the Lakers will not lose that game. The fact of the matter is, even without LeBron, 
the Lakers are competing in every single game. They played the Grizzlies very tough, a game they were leading most of the game. When John Morant was there, when they had Brandon Clark and all those guys, they barely lost that game, right? They choked at the end. And then the other game, Minnesota, a, a game they should have won without LeBron. They choked. They completely choked that game. They played great defense. They couldn't hit shots down the stretch. And then you go to the Warriors with Steph Curry. I mean, Arash, this is very impressive. I know they didn't have Andrew Wiggins, but this is basically a full-strength Warriors Exactly. Team. And by the way, no one's going to, for, for goodness sakes, the Lakers don't have LeBron James. So, yes, the, you know, the Warriors didn't have Andrew Wiggins. The Lakers didn't have LeBron James. So, I mean, I, so that, that, that's, that's fine. I, I do like the fight that they're showing. I do. And this is the one thing. And I know that the trades that were available to them at the deadline may have not been available before. But I, I just keep thinking what this season could have been if they made some kind of a move if not prior to the season, at the halfway point, because again, the trade deadline happens so late in the season now. It's not the second half of the season. It's really the last twenty games of the season. It's 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 the last, you know, twenty twenty three games of the season. So you know, not enough time. But I, I do agree with you, Brandon. It does seem like the Lakers finally have put it together. They finally may have a playoff team. And again, if they can just get into that play-in tournament with LeBron James, they have a chance, right? Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, talk more about the Lakers, talk more about the Clippers. And by the way, we may have a championship basketball team in Los Angeles in college. It might be UCLA. We'll talk about that and more when we come back on the mightier 1090 in Southern California, the, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears... We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, we would normally go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now, uh, but there's a lot happening and there's a lot to touch on. And again, I don't follow enough college basketball to know, uh, you know, who are the best teams. But we could have a very uh, unique selection Sunday and also a very unique Final Four, uh, guys. And, and GK, you may know this, but again, the Final Four is in Houston this year. One of the prohibitive favorites in the uh, tournament this year is Houston. Again, generally speaking, uh, you know, that's not the case. You know, you, you're, you're not going to have the um, home team playing for the right to win the uh, championship uh, like in their hometown. So 
by the way, UCLA now coming in as number two in the Associated Press top 25 today on Monday. So really putting themselves in a nice position to get one of those top seeds going into the Pac-12 uh, tournament this week in Las Vegas. All right, guys, let, let, let's start there. You know, a lot of talk about the Clippers and the Lakers. We can both, we can all agree those teams are probably not going to win a championship. We are literally talking if they can just be in this play-in tournament. UCLA, however, a top-two team, top seed, uh, look like they could be a team that is in the Final Four. Uh, your guys' thoughts on UCLA? Yeah, um, I actually have a future on them to win a championship. I know Jake Dicker has that as well, our good friend. Um, I think there's really three teams that can win this March Madness. I'll help you guys out with your bracket. I only think one – maybe I'm wrong, but I think one of these teams is going to win. It's going to be either Houston, Kansas, or UCLA. I think they have a good mix of talent and experience. Um, what I'll say about UCLA is a lot of times their offense gets stagnant, but they have by far the best defense in the country. They have a guy in Jaime Alquez who can just get a bucket whenever. He's a hard-nosed, tough player. Really had no business being an NBA player or a prospect, but he turned himself into one by hard work and dedication and leadership and – you know, he's putting it all together. They have a good, uh, experienced point guard, Tiger Campbell. They have a talented freshman and Amari Bailey, who they really don't use probably enough, but they they should. Jalen Clark plays defense, and Bona and uh, Mac Etienne are, are good um, big men. So, I mean, they're 17-0 at home. They're ranked second in the country, UCLA. Uh, they're going to probably win the Pac-12 tournament like they did the regular season. I'd be very shocked if Arizona, who I think is, is kind of overrated, um, wins and, and beats them maybe usc pulls off an upset but uh, i don't, I don't think so, so because usc can't beat arizona for the life of them for whatever reason uh, <laughs> but is just in a whole different class this year i really expect them to get to the final four and possibly even win um i think they have a very good chance i think defensively because all we talk about on the show is defense 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 i mean that's the epitome of the mccronin you yeah. know um the, his legacy is you know even when he was in the natty and, and now currently in westwood you know he's he is a defense first, everything else by the wayside kind of a um, wow. coach. So, and he's showing it right now, right? Like those guys, oh man, the effort. This is why I love college basketball because the effort that these kids put in defensively, you can't like, it. it somebody has to like push that on you, right? And McConan is one of those guys. And that's the reason why you're going to probably see um, this team in the final four because of that defensive effort. So I can definitely see that. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. My team is not – if we make the Sweet 16, I'll be ecstatic. I'll be ecstatic if will. Duke makes the Sweet 16. Duke um, coming in at uh, 21 in the latest Associated Press poll. I mean, uh, what what was your um, expectation, Gigi, coming into the season? I mean, the fact that you guys are a, a top 25 team, again, is uh, do you view this as a successful transitional season? Were you thinking that this was going to be a championship-type year? No, I didn't think it was going to be a championship type year. I think it was going to every look, every new program has with, with their new coaching staff has a transitional period, right? It's always going to be um, bumpy. It's always going to be ups and downs and all that stuff. I was expecting a little bit of an easier transition because just because he kind of fits in the system, right? Uh, the Duke system. He's been on that bench for almost a decade as an assistant. Um, he went through that system as a player, won a title, as a player, won, a, won multiple titles as a coach on that bench as well. So I thought the transition was going to be a little easier. I am very happy that we are undefeated at home. But to be honest with you, this is going to sound very arrogant. But as a Duke fan, 
we should be undefeated at home because if you've ever been to Cameron, it is really rough to play there. It is yeah. loud, hot. It is not comfortable for players. It is not comfortable for coaches. It's barely comfortable for the people that are watching the game in Cameron. So, you know, to be 17 and 0, I'm, I'm, I'm good, congratulations on, on the undefeated season. That's amazing um, at home, the undefeated home season. But you know what? You have the best home advantage um, in Cameron Indoor. I also, yeah, but I also think, Jihei, like I know the expectation is that I, I do think they're going to get to the Sweet 16. I think this is a relatively top-heavy year for college basketball, um, which I prefer. I like the gritty teams that really – yeah, college basketball has changed it. because it's a, you, know, you don't have uh, – there's not a dominant freshman this year really besides maybe Brandon Miller, um, you know, and I think Alabama has a slew of issues. I don't think they're going to get to the the, the uh, final four. I think they'll probably be upset early on. That's the one team I'm looking at. And they just got down to number four in the rankings. And they right? rely on a freshman. Anytime yeah. they rely on a freshman, it's going to be hard to win the championship unless that freshman's Anthony Davis and Brandon Miller is not. Um but look, this this is why I like college basketball this year. There's gritty teams. Marcus Sasser is a four-year guy at Houston, um, finalist for Wooden Award. Zach Eady at Purdue, finalist, um, probably won't be in the NBA. I hate to say it. Uh, you know, he's a bit slow. I, I mean, I I love when the Bobons and the Taco Falls and the Zach Eady <laughs> get into the NBA and get minutes. Yeah, they're fan favorites. But I mean, the NBA, isn't it funny how the NBA's progressed? Like, if you're too tall, you can't play in the NBA because you're going to be too small, right? Unless you're Victor Renbidiama at 7'5 <laughs> and move like Kevin Durant. Well, and that's the problem, right? Is that the, I, I shouldn't say it's a problem, but that's the development of the NBA right now is that it's just a, it's always been a faster game than college, obviously. But now you have guys that are like Victor Renbidiama that are 7'5 that can play like a point guard, but at the five. center position. Now yeah. Jokic has revolutionized it where you yeah. either have to pass or you have to be an elite shooter at that five position. You want to be a stretch five. That's yeah. kind of how it goes, how the game goes. But what I love about college basketball, like you mentioned, the team game, right? Arash, correct me if I'm wrong. In USC, no business being 22 and nine, just like last <clears> season. <throat> yeah. Plus games. Andy Enfield, one of the most brilliant coaches in college basketball. Boogie Ellis. Look, this is a team that if they win a game um, in the Pac-12 tournament, they're in. If they beat Arizona State in that quarterfinal game, they're in the tournament. Uh, I think this is a team that could make a run. They could even get to the Sweet 16, and this is why. Not many teams, correct me if I'm wrong, Arash, have a guy like Boogie Ellis that can just oh, yeah. beat whenever you want. Right? Yeah, he is a, he is a dominant scorer for sure. So and what do you this is, yeah, I mean, so this is why I, I do think that they can go on a run in the Pac-12 tournament, but I agree with you. They've, they have not showed me, like, any sign they could beat U of A. So, I mean, I, there, there's a chance where that they could – you know, play each other in the Pac-12 final, which has happened before, but I have no confidence at this point that they can find a way to win that game. That said, I think that they have done enough during the course of the regular season, one big quality win against UCLA, which, which is a top-two team, of course. So if they can get a win or two in this Pac-12 tournament, I, I, I do like their chances of being in the Pac-12. Again, kudos to win the Enfield for the job he's done. I mean, I forget how many, I think this is his fourth straight 20 win season at UCLA. And we've talked before and I've told him like, this is a football school that goes without saying. So for him to do the job that he's done, by the way, USC hoops in the future, or at least next season for the first time. And I'm surprised this hasn't happened before, but getting the number one recruit in both men and women both of those programs are 20 win seasons really set themselves up for great success coming up in the future as well 
do you think, by the way, because um, South Carolina women's basketball is just so ridiculously dominant, they're the new UConn right now, right? They're winning the tournament. I don't, I don't see anybody else really competing for South Carolina um, as far as the women's uh, tournament is concerned. Do you see USC going on a run for them next season? Absolutely. Yeah. I really hope so. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, they have a great coach in place. They, they, they finally have some, some good talent there as well. Um, again, when you look at the storied history of USC women's basketball, Cynthia Cooper, Cheryl Miller, Lisa Leslie, Tina Thompson, and whatnot, you know, it was very sad that for, geez, I mean, the majority of our life that that has not really been the case. I mean, they kind of fell off and they have not been a competitive team since then. They do seem now to have that 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 kind of run in them. The key there, like always, is the coach. And when you can get a coach who the players want to play for, and again, the biggest thing when you're in Southern California is just keeping that local talent there. I mean, when you looked at you know the great success of UConn and Tennessee and whatnot, they did a great job of recruiting, but they also did a great job of recruiting California. So if USC now has coaches in place that, it, that at the very least can keep the local talent, you're, you're going to really put yourself in a position to be competitive. And by the way, I would expect nothing less next season for USC – than a Final Four run. Wow. I, 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 by the way, they've never done that, so that would be amazing. It's going to happen. You have Isaiah Collier, who I think is going to be the best freshman in the country. You're going to have Vincent, who's coming back, uh, who really hasn't had a full season to develop, who was a top prospect. You're going to play Kajani Wright more, who's good. He's not great. Um, you're probably going to get a couple guys back, like Reese Dixon Waters, a couple other guys. Obviously, Boogie Ellis is leaving. Drew Peterson will leave. Um, I, I really would expect nothing less. And I know it's a tall task for Andy Enfield, but I think next year is the year you're going to see USC basketball better than UCLA basketball. You just said that it is hard to rely on a freshman and you guys will be relying on a freshman. So No, not necessarily because I think other guys could step up and, and take some pressure off of him. Okay. Well, I guess he's we'll only there see. for one year. You gotta, you gotta, you know, utilize you gotta it. Yeah. utilize it and, yeah. and capitalize. And I think women in women's basketball, it's one of those things. If you have a star player, it does wonders. You yeah, know and there's like, no one and done a, rule, unfortunately, for women. It's three and out. So, so you they have women, to stay It's gonna there. be a powerhouse for three years. Yeah, at least you would do do. So I mean. When you I, when you guys look at the uh, uh, top twenty-five, and, and I'll give you like the uh, top 10 teams real quick. Uh, Houston, UCLA, Kansas, um, Alabama, Purdue at number five, Marquette, Texas, U of A, Gonzaga, Baylor. Is there a team in there that can go on a, a surprise? Again, I just talked about the, the top 10 teams, but you guys said it's very top heavy in terms of the top three. Is there a team in there? Is there a team in the mix that can go on a surprising run? I'm looking at Baylor. Baylor, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at Baylor. Baylor's I'm got experience. Uh, they have still Flager. Um, I think Keontae George is a good freshman. I, you know, this sounds – I think Texas has a lot of experience. I think they could do it. But I'm. I, I, there's a team you didn't mention that I think could go on a run. This is probably their best team in recent memory. They uh, could even beat Gonzaga in the final for the WCC. Oh, are you talking Mary's. about St. Mary? Oh, I love that. I like that pick. I think St. Like Mary's, is. this is the year they could go to the Elite Eight. I mean, this wow. is a really – St. Mary's team. They have great shooters. They're very well coached. Team. So St. Mary's real quick, 16. Like I'll just go all down the list. So, you know, Baylor, as I mentioned, 10, UConn, 11, Kansas State, 12, Virginia, Miami, Xavier at 15, St. Mary's 16, Tennessee, 
Texas A&M, Indiana, San Diego State, by the way, coming in at number 20, Duke at 21, TCU, Kentucky, Crichton, and Missouri. So, yeah, I mean, St. Mary's, that would be a heck of an accomplishment there. I really do think they're going to beat Gonzaga in the final. Maybe on because Gonzaga has Drew Timmy still. So, I mean, he's by far the best player in the conference, so it's tough to win. I like St. Mary's. I like Tennessee. They have this guy, Santiago Visconti, who's like a four-year guy from – I think he's from Uruguay, um, if I believe. I, believe I know they he's have from Uruguay. Play, yeah. He is he's great. I mean, Tennessee is a team that could make a lot of noise, and I know they've lost a couple of close games. But again, Kansas State, they have Keontae Johnson. They have a couple good players. The thing is, it's weird because there's always a team every year, Arash, that underperforms in the yeah. last couple of games, maybe loses in the first round of the ACC or SEC tournament. Yeah. They're all of a sudden in the Final Four, right? Like it happens almost every year. So. There's always one of those teams to look out for. Maybe Duke's one of those teams that could go on a run. They have some good players. I mean, there's always going to be a seven. Like, everybody knows this, that if you do a bracket, there's always going to be a 7 and an 11 that's going to upset. It's just, yep. it just oh, it happens every year. Just be ready for it. If you're the lucky one that gets the 7 and 11 seed. Um, I'm going with Texas A&M as well. Um, mm-hmm. They have defensively been this, like, incredible dark horse if you've actually yeah. watched them. They're, um, they're pretty legit on the defensive end. So I, I think – Texas A&M might be another one to um, to watch out for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a good tournament, Arasha. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm excited because this is not a blue blood, with the exception of maybe like <clears throat> Brighton, UCLA, and in Kansas, this is not a blue blood Final Four. Like This is not a blue blood like dominant tournament. Well, I so think it's going to turn into one of those. I mean, it's hard. You can never be considered a blue blood if you weren't there for like 50 years, but – I think they're a powerhouse. I mean, they made the final a couple of years ago or the final four, and I think they'll make the final maybe win this year. I know you need a couple of wins before you're considered, you know, up there, but I think they're making good progress too. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I guess we'd have to see with Houston because, like, here's the thing. They have been there before, right? Their program has been there before, but the gap is so huge, Yeah. right? The, the, the real blue bloods, there's, no, there's not really a huge gap. Right. Well, you need that Warriors type of ascension, right? Like the Warriors have turned themselves into what a top three, four, five organization in, in NBA history because of the last six years or ten years. Ten years, you know, yeah. Right? But yeah. again, like I said like there needs to not be a gap, exactly. right? Exactly. And Houston has you need that kind of dominance me. to change yeah. the narrative. Yeah, Houston has too much of a gap for me to be considered that at this current moment in time. Now, if they prove me wrong in the next decade, psh, good for them. I uh, that that'd be a great big program for them to you know come up in the ranks for that. So yeah. Yeah, and also the transfer portal has changed the world. So, like for me, um, as far as college basketball is concerned, so that could be another dominating factor for Houston. You know, get get some of those transfers in, um, becoming a dominant force. Before we close out, guys, I want to talk about uh, something kind of interesting that happened in Las Vegas. The Oakland Athletics played two exhibition games at Las Vegas Ballpark, which is the home of their AAA team, by the way. Uh, sold out both games, nearly 9,000 at games one and two uh, on Saturday and Sunday. The interesting thing about that, that is about what the Oakland A's get at home in Oakland for a regular season game. Again, a lot of talk about Oakland perhaps moving to Las Vegas, uh, Oakland, um, you know, trying to get a new stadium built. Um, you know, the b- biggest question is if they can get some public funding in Las Vegas to build a retractable a dome stadium or just a dome stadium. Again, we know the temperatures here in Las Vegas in the summer, you kind of need that. Um, guys, I mean, you know, we, we've often talked about Vegas being the center of the sports world, having, you know, getting football, hockey, 
WNBA. It really does seem like baseball is the next shoe to drop and the crowds that they got. Again, the big thing about Las Vegas is not just the home fans. Yes, you're going to get local home fans here. Again, the ballpark that they're trying to build here would be about 30,000. 30,000 is a kind of a good number where they think that they could draw a good amount of home uh, fans. But again, it's all about that road fan. You know, if the Yankees are coming to town, you know, get get people to fly in for that series. Your guys' thought, can baseball work in Las Vegas? Absolutely. And, I mean, it already, it already, it already does. does. Already, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. yeah. They in Oakland. So no. they might as well move to Vegas. I think Vegas is going to be the the, the, the the place, the mecca. Um, in the next couple of years with Los Angeles sports. I mean, and also there's already, there's already development, right? Like um, there's camps out there for kids. There's, yeah. you know, like during COVID, by the way, I believe it was Arizona and, and Vegas, right? That they did a boatload of tournaments um, yeah. throughout. So they, these kids can develop their skills and still keep playing. Well, so I like, think we're going to see in like within the next six years, they're going to have an NBA team, an MLB team, I and a football so. team. So, I mean, I they, deserve they deserve it. it. Yeah. They deserve it. Absolutely. I totally think, think about it. You can just go. I mean, the way gambling has affected the industry over the past couple of years. I mean, obviously for decades, but now with it being legalized in more and more states, this is huge for Vegas. Yeah. No, I, I because in GA, you know, the biggest um, hindrance for years when sports gambling wasn't legal was like, oh, gambling, whatever. All of that is gone. I mean, every professional league has multiple, not just one, multiple gambling partners. They're all in bed with all these gambling companies, FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, Win. Um, you go down the list. So, uh, you know, like once that got removed, guys, they're now in play. And so Vegas has become this hotbed that – and the biggest thing for them with the public funding standpoint, it's as simple as them putting on a tax, a hotel tax. That gets your football stadium built. That gets your baseball stadium built. That gets all these things built where – Again, uh, it's only a matter of time, right? No, definitely. I mean, this is it's it's inevitable. Everybody lean into the skin. It's inevitable. Just you know, um, it just needs to you know, obviously, be streamlined and just made it happen. But I, I'm actually I'm obviously I'm here for it because of you know the fact that I will be in Vegas next week <laughs> to gamble on my favorite please say gamble sorry sorry if we can't say that but to bet on my um, we are all in on gambling G. what are you talking all, about <laughs> all in on, on vegas i'm all in on vegas getting more and more teams and like brandon and i both said at the same time they deserve it they yeah. deserve they are a great sports town by it's the way it's just a perfect sports town absolutely you know? absolutely and like and what better way for you to you know be able to enjoy your game go to go to a go to a baseball game out in the beautiful sunshine and then come back I'm sure that they'll have misters everywhere. They'll probably even have, you know, a really nice little area for you to enjoy your enjoy the game as well. I mean, look what they did with the Raiders. I mean, it's just yep. you can't you can't beat it. I guess you deserve it. Not only are we all in on gambling, we are on the bet in Las Vegas. You can't get yeah. more involved in that. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, "Stay safe, stay healthy." This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.